let me, if you don't mind being very generous with your time, but I wanted to uh, just talk about your blog on spiritual robots replacing humanity by 2100. Mm -hmm. And just to briefly look at these, in April 2000, Douglas Hofstadter, Goodell Escher-Bach, organized a conference at Stanford University to discuss the question, will spiritual robots replace humanity by 2100? Among the participants were Bill Joy, Ray Kurzweil, Hans Moravec, John Hall, and myself. The question was serious. I chose to answer the question by examining each word in the question, starting at the end. And so moving to some of those last definitions, one is humanity and the central question coming as we advance into this age of spiritual machines is what is humanity? And you've written on this quite a bit as well, that every new discovery in science almost every day brings some sort of invention or creation that changes the very notion of what it is to be human. And that's a central aspect of life today. Yeah, it's things as simple as just last week, the computer finally beating a professional Go player. Yeah. I uh, had long ago beaten most chess players, but Go having so many more degrees of freedom yeah. and possibilities was considered by many Go players as, you know, again, playing a distinctly human act that computers would not be able to because it kind of required pattern recognition and almost intuition. But, you know, it's in a, in a term that I call Turinged. All these things get Turinged, yeah. meaning that they get beaten, overtaken by um, computers. Go has gotten that. So suddenly, you know, in the list of things that make us human, we have to cross off can play go. Right. <laughs> uh, and we, we have a long list that keeps getting shorter and shorter. And yeah. so the, the list of things that we think are distinctly, uniquely human is, is, is a list that is uh, constantly having things crossed off. And right. that's at one level. And at the other level, we have uh, inventions like, uh, you know, uh, gene therapy and yeah. um, other, uh, you know, cloning technology. And so if we can make clones, you know, if we're not so unique, if there's, if there's 500 copies of me, what does that say about my humanity? Right. And let alone the fact that we've had twins forever, but people are spooked out by that and, and it forces them to, to redefine it. But But even smaller things like Second Life, yeah. We have online worlds and people have their own identity and right. they, maybe they're going to do some bending of the gender and all these things have impact on our own uh, conception and identity of ourselves. And so, you know, and so there's hardly a day go by when our our sense of who we are is not being challenged. Right. And you also point out in, in one of the blogs that this is just increasing and is becoming more and more central and also more and more something that affects the common person such that you'll start to see headlines on CNN and on the New York Times and on the evening news about what is it to be human and here's another you know discovery, another take, another version, another chink in our definition of humanity that just fell off the board. 
Right. And that's going to continue to increase. And it's also, I have to say, it's not, by the way, not just sort of the uneducated or uninformed. I mean, there, there will come a time, not in our lifetimes, but there will come a time, maybe this century, when we might fork the genetic lines of humans. In other words, there might be people who, for religious or other reasons, believe that there's under no circumstances should we ever alter the human genome. And there'll be others who are going to be very ready to fiddle with and enhance and do whatever. And there may come a time when we have more than one species, so to speak, or more than one more than one path. So it's no longer just sort of academic and it's not just about the people who are slow. This will be a central yeah. central question. Yeah. Yeah. And as these robots come into being and continue to change the definition of what human is, then we're gonna see again robots with placards, you know, am I a child of God? And others with placards, you know, Kajiko ergo sum. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to become a very, very wild evening news yeah. under that. For robots, you write, in general, I like Hans Moravik's formulation that these are our children. How does one raise children? You train them for the inevitable letting go. If our children never left our control, we'd not only be disappointed, but we'd be out of control of its maker so it will be with our minds children the robots is there a parent with a teenager who is not concerned who does not have a bit of worry it took us a long time to realize that the power of a technology is proportional to its inherent out of controlness its inherent ability to surprise and be generative in fact unless we can worry about a technology, it's not revolutionary enough. Powerful technology demands responsibility. With the generative power of robots, we need heavy-duty responsibility. We should be aiming to train our robotic children to be good citizens. That means instilling in them values so they can make responsible decisions as we let them go. And that's a profound point and one that's going to, starting today, increasingly occupy us into the future, isn't it? Yes. And I, I have to you know, confess that we collectively don't have a very good set of tools to manage the, particularly the self-replicating technologies. These are the, right. the four types of technology that someone like Bill Joy Right. And others have written about that we should be worried about, and we, in some senses, should be worried about anything that can self-replicate. Because what happens with self-replication is that it very quickly, uh, in through compounding leverage, can can just veer away. If right. things are doubling all the time, it can go very fast, and the faster to go, the the faster, of course, it can go. Right. And so, if you have things like robots making robots, if you have you know genetic therapy and cloning being reproduced biologically, if you have nano gadgets that are replicating, anything where you have replication and recursiveness, these systems are going to be very hard to put in guidance, let alone control. I'm not trying to control them. We're trying to train them. We're trying to guide them. And we don't have a, a very large set of tools 
yet, but right. we we can. We 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 know how to train children. Yeah. We know that we have an existence proof. Yeah. That this can happen. Yeah. And so uh, I, I think that's where we want to spend our focus on, rather than trying to prohibit technologies which never works. Right. Prohibition in technologies like uh, you know censorship on the net, things just route around it. And yeah. so right now we have basically one answer to things that we don't like, which is no. Yep. And it's not a that's not a good answer. What we want to to do is to say, well, you know, kind of like children, how about this? We'll right. find a different place for you. We'll we'll try and match what you can do, right. and we'll work with the technology as we would work with children. Right. And that's something that needs to particularly be absorbed by, understood by, addressed by individuals who are working on the leading edge of these yes. green technologies, these self-replicating right. technologies. Right. And that's something that you don't see happening as much as it should. No, no, we don't. Yeah. And and I, I think part of that is that is educational process, but but part of it is because there's not a lot of role models and. Yeah, and you know the typical ordinary human response to something that is sort of harming us is to prohibit it. Right, and I, I think requires again a different view of of technology to to not prohibit it, but to try and relocate it is is how I might say. And, right, right. And I think part of it, you know, I think even child rearing has gone through an, its own evolution, and I, I think there was a, a period of time when people had this idea of genetic inheritance of dispositions, a criminal class and stuff right. like that, where right. somebody was bad, you basically wanted to prohibit them. Right. Um, and now we we understand a little bit more that there are no bad children. What you want to do is you want to match them and, and, and train them and re-educate them if you have to. So we take a proactive stance rather than the classic precautionary yeah. technology, which yeah. is uh, the first thing you do with the technology is you say no to it until it can yeah. be proven good. And I think that's absolutely the wrong thing to do, and it just encourages us not to think about uh, how to, to, to work with technology. And we have to just kind of change the default. And I think that is plugging directly into one of the central issues on the cultural agenda in today's world, and that's a discussion of values themselves. Right. And that's such a loaded, loaded area. On the one hand, you have The Values Driven Life, a book that sold something like 27 million copies, mm -hmm. offering a fundamental traditional value view. And mm -hmm. that has that kind of sales simply because the alternative in today's modern and postmodern world is either nihilism offered by the postmodernists or just a, a, a kind of a blankness, a neutralism offered by scientific materialism. Mm -hmm. And we don't have individuals that are trained in how to think about values and to think that thinking about values is okay and that science is imbued with values and that one of the things we have to do is it's time to educate the technium itself to values and to make sure that the technium itself is plugged into the ethical dimension. Yes. And that's something I... I sure you and I would both support, but it's also, so that's a long way from orthodox thinking, isn't it? It is. And, you know, truthfully, it's also not just from the spiritual side or religious side, but, but definitely from the technology side. And, and I think 
where it becomes really difficult is going back to a statement I said earlier, which is I don't think this, I don't think the technium is neutral. I think it's inherently right. positive. Right. So when we try to overlay uh, choice and free will and our own human influence in the world, it becomes really difficult because yep. there, there is a certain aspect of, of this which suggests that there's a determinism, a, 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 a kind of a technological determinism is a code word which means that basically we don't have any choice. Yeah. Uh, technology is going to do what it's going to do. We don't have any choice. And there is some aspect of that. There is some aspect in human biology that, you know, the human body has certain urges, it has certain pathways that it's going to follow in general, and we have to work with that. We don't have to accept all of them, but we have to acknowledge and deal with the fact that teenagers want certain things and will do certain things. Right. So they still have a choice in what kind of teenagers they will be. So this balancing act is sort of sophisticated, but it says that there are certain things that the technium wants, certain directions that it wants to go. Right. One of them being it wants to have, wants to connect everything to everything else in the world. It wants to have one kind of big cloak of sensors around the planet. Right. Uh, it wants to have, you know, kind of a worldwide computation. It wants those things, but at the same time, how it does those things is somewhat up to us. There, there are different ways to have a global computer. Right. There is a different. There are different ways to have a global consciousness. Right. And so there are both at work. Both the fact that some of this is inevitable, but how it's inevitable is sort of up to us. Right. And tweaking the technium is going right. to become the the really crucial task. Right. Spirituality. What is the most spiritual event we could imagine? A Verifiable contact with an ET would rock the foundations of established religions. It would rekindle the question of God, no matter what ET's answers. I think the movie Contact is the only movie where a theologian is a star. But we don't have to wait for SETI to contact ET. We will do it by making ET, that is, by making a robot. In this way, ET goes by another name, AI, artificial intelligence. People worried about AI being an artificial human are way off. AIs will be closer to artificial aliens. That's a fascinating point. Um, your calculator is already smarter in arithmetic than any person in this room. Why aren't we threatened by it? Because it is other, a different kind of intelligence, one superior to us, but one we aren't particularly envious of. Most of the minds we make, including the smartest AI, will be other. Even in the possibility space of types of conscious minds, there are two million other possible species of intelligence that the one type we know, humans, each one of them unique and different as a calculator and a dolphin. There is no reason to make a clone of human intelligence because making traditional versions is so easy. Our endeavor in the coming centuries is to use all minds so far artificial and natural, to make all possible new minds, meaning these minds, I think, will be the most spiritual thing we can imagine right now. Indeed, extraordinary and has the same essential features of all authentic mystical experiences, which is taking an other consciousness and becoming one with it, becoming connected with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, if anything, my agenda is to expand 
it's a traditional mystical notion of you know of all consciousness normally associated with all human consciousness maybe even all animal or right. biological to extend that further into all consciousness of right. machines right to, to, to say that you know, these are our brothers this this is the whole other realm that we have been not thinking about and that when we think about it in those terms you actually find out that that including them in our calculations and in our views that this is actually be the place where I think that will revive that kind of a mystical right. view. That it's not, you know, drugs did a pretty good job of opening a, the portal. Yeah. You know, traditional religious practices, they've been around a long time. Yeah. But I, what I'm saying is that the, the third door, the third open doorway into this thing is actually going to be through machines. Right. And you know, at first it doesn't register in most people, but I, I I think we'll we'll find that they will un, unleash new ideas into our culture in a rate right. that we're not really ready for. Yeah, indeed. But I again think that that makes perfect sense, and I think is something that we will see on the agenda, and it will go from the beginning to a oneness with, a familiarity with the consciousness of our children in a new dimension to fundamentally as those children themselves grow up and we hardly think of them as our children anymore when they're in way past adolescence when they themselves are into maturity so we think of them more as other beings then connecting with that will indeed be an extraordinarily spiritual occasion and show the absolute need for spiritual orientation, which has always fundamentally been a way to connect with others, with mm-hmm. including transcendental being, but also your brothers and sisters, in a way that is sacred. Right. Now, the the one little um, hiccup in this is that, uh, I don't know where I said this, if I have said it on, on the blog or not, but, but it's, there, there's a number of people, myself included, who have basically come to the conclusion that the most likely first AI is not going to be in anything that's standing alone like a big mainframe computer or some robot, but will in fact yeah. happen on the web. That that will be a, a kind of a, this where I talk about the global one machine, the, 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 the single uh, worldwide computer. And the difficulty there is that given the scale at which this is likely to happen, we will have great difficulty as humans trying to understand or even to, to notice that. So yeah. we will be as if we will be like neurons in some large brain yeah. where the neuron is just going to be definitionally incapable of getting the thought. And so um, uh, connecting with something like that um is going to be tricky because there is a sense in which it's not going to be very connectable to us right. uh, at the wrong level. And so um, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what will happen there, but it will certainly require some kind of transcendental mystic approach, I think, to even get to it. Right. And, uh, you know, and so... We, we can kind of easily imagine as I, the little scene I had earlier of, you know, robots in the streets with placards. 
that, you know, they seem like cousins. But if you're trying to grok the, you know, the Google in the sky that, that suddenly is smart and conscious, but, you know, it's performing at a frequency and a wavelength and cycles that we just cannot approach, th- that becomes more difficult to even understand what it is that we're supposed to do. Right. And being able to connect with that consciousness is, as all of these new discoveries in the Tectium mm-hmm. do, as you've been pointing out, will have human beings once again redefine themselves. Right. Uh, and in this case, it'll be just what aspect of consciousness is really universal. And right, right. I mean, I, if we haven't been talking about science fiction already, I'll talk about it right now. But yeah. <laughs> I, can certainly, <laughs> I can certainly imagine a, a scenario or a story where there are some people who claim to you know, basically be in touch with uh, this kind of global consciousness. And, you know, they very may well be. And the, the issue will be, how can we verify it? Uh, right. You know, uh, are they nuts? Are they cranks? Or are they really, in some manner, through some discipline, um, really, you know, in communication? And um, I think that's a very interesting problem. So one of the things we're, we and a couple other people are trying to, you know, think about is well, what are some of the criteria, what are some of the signals, what are some of the ways in which we would know if, if such a thing was really happening. Right. We don't right. have enough experience right, right now to, to, to do that. Yeah, and that's going to be a really, really interesting story as the first bits of data on yeah. that right. start to trickle back down. Well, and, and some people like George Dyson say that, that it's already trickling in. We're just yeah. ignoring it. Yeah. That if you make up a list of the things that such a... Who knows if you say, okay, this is, this is a conscious organism or at least a thinking organism, what do these organisms want to do? Well, they, first of all, they want to have more resources. So, you know, right now 5% of the world's electricity is going to this thing. It's increasing all the time. <laughs> it, would, it would want money. Okay, money is by the billions is flowing into this thing. It would want the smartest uh, attendance. That's happening. So, I mean, it, it's hard to to. You know, right now, every indication is, is that this thing is growing as you would imagine, uh, you know, a, an autonomous organism yep. would. Yep. Yep. And part of um, this ongoing dance that we are having with our own creations 